And I do like to remind people that you are not broken. If you are sitting here talking to me, listening, you are somewhat functional in your life, you are not broken. And so this idea that something is broken in us and we have to fix it is one of the first reframes where we can recognize there's something I would like to shift or that isn't feeling good or that I'm worried about. We are Gold Ivy. Our mission is to empower you to own and unleash your truth. Stories of resiliency are gold and ivy grows in hard places. Those hard places are what creates space for light to shine through. You decide what works for your daily life and how to transform our lessons into your gold. This is Ivy Unleashed, a Gold Ivy production. Welcome back to Ivy Unleashed. Thank you so much for joining us today. Brooke and I are so excited because today is kind of fulfilling a dream of ours to have specialists on our show that can help fill a gap. And today mm-hmm. we are filling a gap. Our guest today is Andrea Nakayama. Welcome to Ivy Unleashed. Thank you for having me. I love that you started out talking about gaps. Want to talk more about that? (laughs) There's a big gap when it comes to wellness. That's the reason we started this podcast. That's what I have found in my wellness journey. And your career is a functional medicine nutritionist, which is the exact career that helped me find what was going on within my gut. So I am forever grateful (laughs) for your line of work. And I want to take it back to those listening who are like, what just came out of your mouth? (laughs) Let's tell the people what a functional medicine nutritionist even is. Yes. Yeah. So that's a great question and a great place to start. So I always like to say that functional medicine and functional nutrition uh, prescribe to three primary tenants. And those three primary tenants, and this is what they should be in line with. This isn't always the case anymore. But those three primary tenants are a therapeutic partnership looking for the roots and a systems-based approach. So when we say that, a therapeutic partnership means that there are always two experts in the room. I have my expertise, but if I'm working with you, Brooke, you have an expertise in something I can never have an expertise in, and that is you and your body and your history. So my job as an expert in my field is to honor your expertise and to come together and create a partnership with what we both know. That looking for the roots I think a lot of people get stuck in looking for the root. And what I like to remind everybody is that there are always more than one root. But looking for the roots means we're asking, why is this happening? Not just what do I do about it? And we live in a culture of what do I do about it? And that systems-based approach means that we embrace systems biology. And systems biology helps us to understand that the gut is connected to the brain, that our hormones are connected to the liver, which are connected to our gut. It's the field of omics where we recognize that everything is connected. So that's what functional medicine and functional nutrition should be. And I can talk a lot about that should be. (laughs) But when it comes to functional medicine and functional nutrition, The difference really comes down to the tools in our toolbox. So while functional medicine docs may really understand that diet and lifestyle modification matter, they don't really get a lot of training in those arenas. And so my job in working with people, but also in training 
thousands of other practitioners is that understanding of how we dive deep into the differences that diet and lifestyle modification can actually make on the full body systems. I feel like whenever I get in a conversation with Brooke and anybody that's like naturopathic, I learn new terminology like omics field. Like, what are we talking about? And it's always things I feel like I should know this. And it's life changing information, which is why I feel like I'll always have a job and you will always have a job. And but it's also why it's so overwhelming and why Mm -hmm. we started what we started in the first place is like, okay, didn't know that. It's okay to not know things. Totally. Knowledge is power. So what is an omics field? (laughs) Yeah. Beautiful. So I'm going to break that down. Super simple. My mantra in everything I do is everything is connected. We are all unique and all things matter. In science, the recognition that everything is connected is the field of omics. And omics is the genomics, the metabolomics, the, it's just saying the food omics. It's just saying things are connected. They're not living in isolation of each other. And if we look at conventional medicine, it really divides us into ologies, right? So we go to our gastroenterologist for what's happening in our gut and our psychologist for what's happening in our mental health and our endocrinologist for what's happening with our hormones. And in a functional approach, which embraces omics and the reality that everything is connected, we say, those things are all connected to each other. And I recognize those connections and I don't divide them from each other. So all of those things I'm saying, everything is connected. We are all unique. All things matter are related to a field of science and that everything is connected is just another easy way of saying this is the omics revolution. It's all connected. Got it. Okay. And we have a million questions from there, but something that we always like to get into is What got you here? And I think it's so important to get to know you before all this information, because if I know the person behind this, I feel more connected to you and more like there's a reason that you're doing this. And unfortunately, what led you on this path is devastating. And you, your husband, your late husband was diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor and that led you on this path. And so it's, it's terrible that that's the path that got you here, but I would love for you to talk about how so, sometimes something like that can ignite this type of path and, and how that went for you. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Every episode of Ivy Unleashed is dedicated to empowering you to take ownership of your health and what it really comes down to is prioritizing your mental health. We've both seen the beauty and growth that therapy can bring and are thrilled to partner with BetterHelp to allow you the opportunity to feel heard and seen by a professional. The National Alliance on Mental Health reports that 155 million people live in a designated mental health professional shortage area, and BetterHelp is working to close that gap. I've personally used BetterHelp and loved it because it was all online, making it super convenient. The biggest piece for me was how affordable it is. I was able to choose the therapist that met my needs. I came in with wanting to work on childhood trauma and anxiety, and it was unbelievable to see how many options I had with all the different backgrounds of therapists. With BetterHelp, you have access to a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness. 
And sometimes we can't see our own patterns and behaviors until we talk them out and get an unbiased perspective. It's really nice to have someone who doesn't know you and has the professional background to help you thrive in your daily life. It has made the world of a difference with every relationship in my life, including the one with myself. To get started, all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire about your needs and preferences and choose your therapist out of the options they give you. You can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. Also, you can switch therapists at no additional charge until you find the right fit for you. The best investment you can make is in yourself. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash goldivy. That's betterhelp.com slash goldivy. Take the first step to inner peace and freedom today. This is important. If you are sick of spending money on product after product for your face, this is for you. I've spent so much time, money trying to find the perfect skincare line when really all I needed was clean ingredients and something that actually did the trick. And that's where the Golden Secret skincare line comes into play. All right, what products are you using now that you love? It's been a few years now of regularly using the Golden Secrets Heal All Oil and my skin has never looked better. I spent years struggling with acne and I'm so thankful Jesse Golden created the Heal All Oil. I use it both morning and night as my cleanser and it's safe to say oil cleansing is where it's at. Clean and simplicity are what's most important to me and the Heal All Oil and every Golden Secret product is just that. I love when people share what and why they use skincare products. I finally created a habit with the combo of the Sorceress Stone Gua Sha Tool and the Heal All Oil. I'm already seeing more definition in my jawline and cheekbones, which is so exciting. Jessie also provides tutorials on exactly how to use all her tools and products, and I'm telling everyone because I know it can be so overwhelming to start. If you're up for trying a new skincare ritual that doesn't harm you or the environment, but instead works in harmony to awaken it, The Golden Secrets is available at thegoldensecrets.com. We're thrilled to tell you about this amazing company and give you a discount code for your future The Golden Secrets purchases. Yes, use code GOLDIVY for 10% today and keep watching us at Gold Ivy Health Co. on all social channels as we continue sharing our results with The Golden Secrets skincare line. You can find the link and code in the show notes of this episode. Yeah, thank you for asking. And it's uh, I've listened to some of your episodes and I know you've spoken to another family member, I believe that, ex- was it a family member mm-hmm. or somebody close mm-hmm. to you that's experienced a death related to a brain tumor, particularly a GBM or a glioblastoma multiforme, which is what my late husband had. And I just want to say this is rare. When you're having a headache, it's rarely a brain tumor. So the fact that you had in one year span, two people who lost young husbands from brain tumors is not a common occurrence. I just want to set that stage for folks because it can be really scary to hear these stories. But in April of 2000, when I was just seven weeks pregnant with our first and only child, my late husband, Isamu, was all of a sudden out of nowhere diagnosed with a very aggressive brain tumor and given about six months to live. So if we do the math, I was seven weeks pregnant. He was given six months to live. He was not expected to see our son born. And he was diagnosed with a glioblastoma from the get-go. So that has a very short lifespan. It is basically a terminal illness or a death sentence. And what I experienced through his illness 
was where there were gaps going back to that term in the medical system. And it was the first time we were in the medical system. So we had never, we were in our 30s at that point, our early 30s, never experienced being in the system in any way. Maybe we went to the doctor for a thing or two, but we weren't at their mercy. There were many brilliant things that were done by the medical system, by the doctors and the oncologists and those who were caring for him. But what I saw is that he wasn't treated like an individual. He was treated like his diagnosis. And there wasn't a lot of personalization happening based on who he was and what else he might have been doing. So I really became acutely aware of these gaps. Wait a minute. This is my beloved. He's not just a brain tumor. You can't just speak to me like he's not in the room. He's a 32-year-old father-to-be and so much more than that, a musician and a software developer and a brother and a son and a lover and a friend and all the things that he brilliantly was. So that really woke me up to all the other things we could be doing, not just to support his body in fighting the tumor, but support his body in navigating the um, interventions, which are huge. When somebody's going through medical interventions, that's a whole other series of insults, which I'm putting in air quotes, because even if they're very well-intentioned and are meant to do something, they have an impact. Anything we put in the body has cause and effect, whether it's food, we put it on our skin, we take something, there's cause and effect. So that was a big wake up for me. Isamu lived two and a half years, so he did live to see our son born and have 19 months of imprinting with that son who's now 23 and lives in New York. And, you know, it's a long time ago now, but it it woke me up. It made me realize that there's more we can do. And then I encountered my own chronic illness when I was diagnosed after a lot of searching with Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune thyroid thyroid disorder, very common among women, especially after pregnancy. And my pregnancy was a little bit added stress on steroids compared to most, right? So that was really my wake up to there's got to be another way, another place for a different type of practitioner, and that there are more and more people who are sick and not getting better that need another way in addition to whatever they're doing with their medical interventions. How inspiring. Mm-hmm. Man, I've been pregnant and that, you know, multiple times and it is that is so hard in itself. And what you just you were like the definition of resiliency. And then to take what you learned in that mm-hmm. process and then make it your mission to help people, like how powerful like your son to have you as the parent that's still walking the earth, that you're the example that he gets to see, like, I just want to send my love to you and like any extra strength you need because you have, (laughs) wow, that is a beautiful story. And we haven't even like tapped into this part after having your baby, really. So from there, like how, what were you doing as far as a profession up to that point when your husband passed away? Yeah, thank you for that reflection and those kind words. And I I always say to with my son, like, we both 
I lucked out. I got the kid I needed to be the single mom navigating that space. And, you know, I'm just so proud of him and what we've been able to navigate together. I was working in book publishing and I worked from home, which was very fortunate. So I worked for book publishing for a company in New York from first my home in San Francisco, and then when we moved, my home in Portland, Oregon. So that was very fortunate in and of itself that I was around for my late husband, that I was around for my kid, even though I would go to work, I would go to work on a different floor, really honor my work situation because I had to, there was a lot going on. I was uh, working for a book packager that handled very high profile books, whether it was the HBO books or books for Gap or um, Al Gore's books. So very high profile books. And I was the production director. So I had to stay on track. But I had a real passion for food. And when Isamu was diagnosed, I started doing reading and realizing where there were things we could do to shift the terrain. I didn't have that language yet, but I realized, wait a minute, sugar influences the progression of cancer. Is there something we can do there? Because Isamu has a real sweet tooth. So I would have to present it to him. He was a totally American, but Japanese father, grew up in California. So, you know, super stoic. He was going to make his decisions. And I would say, hey, I'm reading about this. What do you think? And he, you know, his life was on the line and he wanted to be a father. He was like, you know, there wasn't any issue of compliance. It was like, <laughs> okay, this doesn't matter. Risk, reward, sugar's out. And so through that process, I then learned, okay, how do we feed a sweet tooth while eliminating the sugar and the impacts of the glycemic response in the body and how that can impact the immune I system? I need tips so on was, this too. <laughs> right? I know, totally. So I was just kind of making connections like, mm -hmm. wait, this is what happens physiologically and this is what we can do with the food. And I just started down that path. This is years before I was like, I have to go back to school mm -hmm. and understand these connections more. But it was taking it from a totally different career that was very established in the space and making a big leap into the complete unknown, putting myself back through school while single parenting, all of it. This is all after Isamu died that I made that leap. Yeah. I think it's fascinating the different practitioners we've spoken to and that I've worked with. They all have their own unique framework. So I'm curious how you use these gaps to create your own framework and how you help your clients heal. Yes. Well, I'm a huge lover of frameworks, especially since the majority of what I do now is train other practitioners. So I have a 10-month training in the science and art of functional nutrition called Full Body Systems. And that's for coaches, clinicians, anybody who wants to add functional nutrition. And so what I had to learn to do was kind of take off my brain and figure out how to present it to others so others could use the systems thinking and the frameworks. So I have three primary frameworks that I work with. One of them is called Three Roots, Many Branches, and that helps people to understand chronic illness. So I might say to each of you, 
tell me about the biggest signs, symptoms, or diagnoses that you're experiencing. Might be related to your gut or your hormones or your sugar cravings. All of those are signs, symptoms, or diagnoses. What's the difference between a sign and a Mm -hmm. symptom though? I was going to say, I'm so glad you asked that. No, I'm so glad you asked that. So that's really good information for us to understand when we're talking to our providers as well. So a symptom is something you're experiencing that they can't measure. Mm -hmm. And a sign is something they can measure. So if you have a rash or a fever, that's a sign. If you have fatigue, or you're dizzy, that's a symptom. And we as patients tend to show up at the doctor and mix them all up. And the doctor's going like, wait, I can I can't, like, I need to separate these things. So that's one hint that I often give to patients who are experiencing a lot of signs and symptoms. Divide those up for yourself so you can go in and speak about them. So an easy way to think about that, Andrea, is if you are unconscious, they can still measure your signs. Okay. Mm-hmm. They can't measure your symptoms. They don't know if you're fatigued or dizzy or bloated. They can't tell that this is so important i feel like you needed to talk to brooke six years ago she (laughs) needed a coach on how to like talk in there talk to a doctor how to translate when and when they only have eight minutes to speak with you yes and that's that's a big differentiator that i just want people to hear is that if you're having these chronic symptoms or signs and you're not getting help from your gi doctor or your primary care doctor this is when you seek out functional medicine Yes, that is so true, Brooke. And what people often say to me is like, who needs a functional practitioner? I'm like, you don't usually need us until you're part of the 20% that isn't getting resolution by what they find on Instagram or in a book or like in some, you know, standards of care. So it's usually the 20%. And I like to joke that, unfortunately, that 20% flips and becomes the 80% post-menopause or during perimenopause. Like women experience more of the, wait a minute, but things aren't feeling right. You know, so that is a growing population of people who are sick and not getting better and can't just put their care into the hands of uh, standards of care. So three roots, many branches helps us to understand that any sign, symptom, or diagnosis is a branch. Mm -hmm. And if I tell you, imagine a tree in the middle of a field and you're, this tree's magnificent. It's the only tree there. And you're walking towards this tree and you're so taken by the beauty of this tree, but then you get closer and recognize wait a minute, some of the leaves are falling and it's not the right season for that. Some of the branches aren't looking so healthy and I want to do something about it. We could get a ladder and pick off the leaves, but that's likely going to continue to manifest as leaves turning. We can get a ladder and a saw and saw off branches, or we can think, wait a minute, where do I need to go in order to change the expression of those branches and those leaves. And this is where I bring people into the three roots, many branches. All of our signs and symptoms and diagnoses are branches. If we focus our attention away from the branches and come down to the roots 
and not just the roots, but the soil that those roots live in, that's when we have more opportunity to shift the expression of those branches and those leaves. So in my model, the three roots for any chronic illness are the genes, digestion, and inflammation. And then there's soil that each of those roots live in that give us a place to focus, that bring us into our kind of rest and digest area, as opposed to our fight or flight, let me find the answer, what's the answer for this, what do I do for my migraines, my PMS, I'm fighting, I'm trying, I'm buying, I'm doing. That's not a state we can heal in, and I like to bring people back to where there's more nourishment that they can bring into their even their processes of change. Dre, tell the people as fast as you can why Move With Gold Ivy is the last mind-body fitness program they'll ever have to buy and how women are finally getting the transformation they're looking for. I love a challenge. Let's go. Two big things. One, Move provides a fun atmosphere to work out in that actually gets you excited to show up and follow through with your goals. Not only is there an element of fun, but we've carefully curated a program that makes it as easy as possible for women to take care of themselves. And two, a MOVE membership addresses every aspect of your health, mind and body. Our MOVE members are getting the physical transformation they've been hoping for and feeling like they've finally found the group that motivates them on a daily basis. What did I miss? As a MOVE member, you receive a weekly workout plan, weekly live or Zoom workouts, an on-demand workout library, transformational quarterly reset challenges, monthly coaching calls, monthly masterminds with health experts, and a private group of motivated members for support and accountability. It's ready for you when you're ready to boost your metabolism, confidence, and feel your absolute best. Join MOVE or learn more by clicking the link in the show notes, clicking the link in our bio on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, or by messaging us on any social channel at Gold Ivy Health Co. It's your time. Move for your health, move for your confidence, move for your mental clarity, move with Gold Ivy. The Boundary Boss did it again. Terry Cole created something that every person on the planet needs because it will help their relationships and peace of mind exponentially. It's the Boundary Boss Workbook, the right words and strategies to free yourself from burnout, exhaustion, and overgiving. Boundaries are necessary and a beautiful part of relationships if you have the tools and support to create and express them. I don't know about you, but setting boundaries, even though I know they're necessary, can be anxiety provoking because I know I could potentially make someone uncomfortable. In the Boundary Boss Workbook, you'll have Terry holding your hand in the process of understanding different types of boundaries and integrating them into your life to help you have stronger relationships and be able to show up authentically and at peace. I'm using it to set more effective boundaries and it's helping me protect my energy and set boundaries without guilt no matter who I'm around. Terry provides mindfulness practices, customizable scripts, mindset shifts, even fun games to help you understand yourself and effectively communicate your boundaries. I'm using the workbook to create awareness of my rigid boundaries and I'm using Terry's self-care tools to help me feel more at ease. The workbook is full of exercises that help me understand how I'm trying to protect myself and gives me more loving ways to communicate my needs. You don't have to set boundaries alone. Help yourself out with effectively understanding and communicating your boundaries and lean on the best tool out there. Snag your copy of the Boundary Boss Workbook by clicking the link in the show notes or head to BoundaryBossWorkbook.com today. Oh, 
I love this visual Mm -hmm. and I feel bad for anybody in audio, like go to YouTube and watch this back (laughs) because the way that you are expressing it with your hands and with the soil, like it feels just so nurturing to me that it's like this whole approach that to me feels hopeful. Mm -hmm. And I know from being business partners and family with Brooke that being hopeful and patient is it makes me want to cry. Like that is such a huge part of this process because Mm -hmm. you, you try and fix something, you do a protocol and you feel okay for a little bit, or it's really hard and you have no energy. And so like to function in society with no energy, when you're fixing these things, like it requires this patience and this hope that it's going to get better. And so I'm curious your approach with patients on how you help them with staying hopeful and, and being patient in the midst of trying to Take care of your soil. She's asking you yes. to speak to me. Because <laughs> I'm impatient. I know. And it's so hard. And what I like to remind people is that easy solution existed for you. you would It would have already worked. And when we do those protocols that have us seeking or trying the next thing, there's a few things that happen. First of all, like I said, we're in that fight or flight. That's what's called a sympathetic dominant state. So our nervous system is on overdrive trying to fix us. And I do like to remind people that you are not broken. If you are sitting here talking to me, listening, you are somewhat functional in your life, you are not broken. And so this idea that something is broken in us and we have to fix it is one of the first reframes where we can recognize there's something I would like to shift or that isn't feeling good or that I'm worried about. So if we just take a diagnosis, we'll take my diagnosis, Hashimoto's, or we take Crohn's and we're looking for the pill, the protocol, or the practitioner that's going to fix that all, we are looking in the wrong direction because everybody who has that diagnosis, which is just a tipping point, is there for different reasons. My Hashimoto's is not the same as anybody else's Hashimoto's. The only thing that's similar is that for different reasons, we got to a place where our own immune system is attacking the tissue in our thyroid, but the reasons why are unique to us. And we don't need to know those reasons why to get down to those roots and then to get to the soil. So coming out of that, I'm broken, I have to fix it, something's wrong is step one, because that brings us into that slower, more nurturing, more supportive state where we recognize that, Andrea, you didn't run a marathon in one, like walk outside and run a marathon. Mm. You had to train for that marathon. And the analogy I often use comes from having a boyfriend who used to be a mountain climber. So I will admit that analogy comes from there. (laughs) But there was a point in time where we would watch like every Mount Everest movie, documentary, YouTube video. And I was like, why do I want to watch these climbing videos? And I recognized that they were really fascinating because they're about human achievement, failure. If we think about our life in base camps, you do not get to the base camp of Everest in one day. People train for a long time to even get to base camp. And then they're acclimating 
going up to the next base camp, coming back down, going back up again, coming back down. And that in order to summit, it's a huge journey. It's years of training. And then the people who are training may not even get to that summit, whether it's because their body doesn't allow them to or they don't make it is a different story based on the fact that we're talking about Mount Everest. But there's a process of acclimating and getting to a place where you're not on a diet, you're not so restricted that you can't live your life because that's not sustainable. And so if we take it in smaller chunks, we can see and understand and learn in an iterative fashion. And to me, that's the scientific method. Where did we lose the scientific method? Scientific method isn't like throw everything in there at once and see what happens. It's add one supplement, how does that feel? add one food or take out one food. What do I track? What can I learn? What do I feel? And to me, that process of tuning in that interoception, that understanding, this works for me, this doesn't, is the beauty of knowing ourselves and being able to take care of ourselves in the most grandiose way. Oh, I love that. I am curious though, a question that comes up. You say you don't have to know what to fix. Why do you believe that? Because in my mind, I'm like something is off and I need to figure out what is off to get to the root. So will you just explain exactly. that a little bit? Yeah, I love that question, Brooke. That's a really good one. So when I think about the three roots and the many branches, the three roots are again, the genes, digestion and inflammation. If we focus on the soil, that becomes what Stephen Covey talks about as our circle of influence. So Stephen Covey talked about the habits of the most successful people. And I love a mental model. A mental model really helps us to solve the impossible problems. So the circle of influence is what I'm calling the soil or the terrain. But each of those roots has a circle of influence. So for the genes, I'm not asking you to get your 23 and me or have it analyzed. Like if you know that, sure, great. But the factors that are in our circle of influence, which take us out of the stress of knowing the answer and into our real influence are food, movement, environment, and mindset. So the way I impact my genes is with another area of science, Andrea, epigenetics. <laughs> and the epigenetics are my food my movement, my environment, and my mindset. If I sit there and I influence my genes in a positive direction by staying in those areas, that's where I start to not have to know everything. Because you know what? If I know my genes and I know what I've got, I don't know what's expressed and what's not. This is a big mistake people are making with genomics these days. But I'm still influencing them positively. And food has a circle of influence. I'm not going to say there's one specific diet everybody should eat. I'm going to say that it's quality, quantity, diversity, and timing. And that's going to be different for each of you based on, Andrea, you're running marathons. Your quality, quantity, diversity, and timing is different for you based on so many factors related to your training, related to your age. And Brooke, you're working on trying to solve things and figuring things out. Your quality, quantity, diversity, and timing are going to be different. So for me to sit here and go, everybody should eat 
keto or plant-based or intermittent fast, that's just not physiologically true. And I'd rather you step into you and know, you know what? When I eat eggs every day, I start to feel inflammation in my hands that's stopping me from typing. Then I've done a test that's quantitative that tells me something outside of myself that doesn't give me that opportunity that's called interoception to tune in to me. I'd rather you be tuned into you listening and um, not looking outside of you for the scale, the test, the number, all of that is not directing us towards our own real self-health care. I appreciate this conversation more than I could ever express. <laughs> I do too, especially because you're in, you're in nutrition, right? Like most dietitians or nutritionists are trying to sell you their secret recipe to weight loss or, you know, this is saying like, no, I mean, you could go that route and you'd probably make some good money, but you're saying, no, listen, I know for a fact, and we're perfect examples mm-hmm. of what you just said. And I think it's so important for anybody listening, whether you have any chronic condition or not, that notice how you feel. Not just like some expert told you what you should be doing. Like it doesn't even work. Like if I ate eggs ever, I feel sick for days. So I don't eat eggs and they would be a great source of protein. (laughs) But, and I hear it all the time, eat eggs, eat eggs. I'm like, no. Yeah. It's about being in tune with your body knowing those internal cues when your body is giving you signs and symptoms to listen. And instead of pouring another cup of coffee or taking the pill, you're saying, wait, actually, I'm going to slow down and listen. Exactly. And I think sometimes people get really overwhelmed by that idea of listening when the body's in a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think if we start to slow it down and break it down and some of my other systems help us to think through what's happening in our body. When did it first start? When is it better? And when is it worse? What's the worst it's ever been? What's the best it's ever been? How do we get more curious? And um, I'm a student of narrative medicine. And I'll say I'm always a student of narrative medicine. But for me, the juice is where functional medicine and narrative medicine meet. Because what is the narrative, narrative medicine? medicine? I know it embraces <laughs> the story. <laughs> more terms we don't know. I love this. Let's go. But I was going to say, I was listening to a podcast unrelated the other day, a food podcast, and it was with uh, an interview with Harold McGee, who's one of the first authors who recognized the science of the culinary arts. So he came from a science background and he brought the kind of Um, you know, encyclopedia of like, if you whisk an egg or do this at this temperature, this is what you're going to get. And he became celebrated in the culinary arts world, in the chef world, because he was bringing something that to that point back in the 80s and then really popularized in the early 2000s had never been thought about. And his latest book is on smell and our connection between smell and food. But he was talking about an incense ceremony that happens in Japan. And he was saying that when he learned it, they talked about listening to smell. And he thought, oh, well, that's an unfortunate way of translating what they're doing. But the more he sat with it, he was like, oh, that's actually what we're doing. 
we're spending time at that deep level of understanding and tuning in. And that to me was very representative or a good analogy for what I'm inviting people to do with their bodies, not in a narcissistic obsessive way, but in a curious, oh my gosh, what's my story? How do I understand it? And this goes back to what is narrative medicine. It's any number of things that allows us to step into how we capture our story. And that might be some in our head, like where we tell ourselves a narrative, but I prefer to think of it as the anecdotal information. The first time I had digestive issues is when I was in college and I was stressed about tests. We start to make connections when we timeline, when we understand our journey, instead of just saying, how do I pluck off those leaves or put a Band-Aid on this so I don't have to feel it anymore? Which is so different than my experience in functional medicine, because my experience is meet with a practitioner for about an hour, which is beautiful because it's so much more in depth than conventional medicine. But after that, it's have tests done that are very expensive. And then from there, you have a protocol of supplements and lifestyle changes. And these supplements are not cheap. Nope. But you believe that functional medicine over tests. Tell us more about this. (laughs) Yes. And this is where I, you know, my commitment is to the democratization of the practice. I believe that anybody can benefit from those three tenants we started with. Therapeutic partnership, looking for the roots or the soil around the roots and that systems-based approach. And for me, what functional medicine has become is something that's very expensive, very elusive, and that leads people um, sometimes not feeling better and really angry because they've spent a lot of money on a lot of tests and a lot of supplements and been through a lot of diets and then they can't even track their food or remove certain foods because they were on such a restricted protocol. And so my passion and what, you know, I'm hoping to write my book on are those people who are like, F you, functional medicine, because you left me in this place where I'm now even more damaged in different ways. Yes, that helped for this time, but it wasn't sustainable. So for me, the place that we're talking about is the place where we have qualitative information in addition to quantitative information. And quantitative information is, again, what we see on those tests. And oftentimes, when those functional medicine docs are doing a lot of testing at once, we may resolve some of those things if we just go back to some basics of what needs to be done that we wouldn't have had to pay for now. So I'm all for testing at the right time and at the right pace. So I'm always starting with regular old labs. How do we see what's happening with Um, you're just even doing an intake form, sleep, poop, blood sugar balance. Are we set there? How do we find some balance, then move forward based on what we need more information about? Because oftentimes, yeah, we're going to see a ton of branches and leaves that aren't supported because we didn't even nourish the soil. It's so powerful. It reminds me of, I was just on a podcast and I 
really wanted to hit home this message that in the right environment, your body is designed to heal. And everything you're saying just backs up that point that you are your own best doctor. And I had this download, you know, kind of sounds woo-woo-y, but it was that in the last six years of healing, time after time, that is what my experience has taught me. It's that I know my body best. And these doctors, these labs, they're great. But at the end of the day, no one knows my body better than me. So for anyone listening who is chronic illness, who is fighting to figure out their health, slowing down and getting really intentional about what, what Andre, what you're saying of how am I moving? What am I eating? Not being so restrictive, because that's something that I've gotten in the rat race of, and Andrea can attest to that. I can't eat anything. I just did a post, if I had a dollar for any time anyone asked me, so what can you eat? Yes. And I feel like I'm still figuring that out. So what would you say to those people who are like, I have tried so many things. I do feel defeated. What do I do? Yes. I think that's where we have to step back and recognize what we do know. So in functional medicine, we call these our mediators. Our mediators are what makes me feel better and what makes me feel worse. And sometimes those restricted diets can make you feel better and make you feel worse. They can make you feel worse because you're nutrient depleted, because you can't hang out with your friends, because you're so restricted that you don't even know what to eat and you're in this stress state every day. So that becomes part of the equation. My job is to help you know more of your mediators more than anything else. If you know what makes you feel better, what makes you feel worse, and you're still on that journey of discovery, then you're self-empowered. You're not reliant on me to tell you what supplements to take. You're not reliant on me to go looking for your microbiome test. Guess what? Sleep impacts your microbiome. Movement impacts your microbiome. Are we having conversations about those things? I've worked with women who are struggling with fatigue. And when I make the connection between hydration and their red blood cells and their energy, they're like, I don't (laughs) hydrate. Like, what? really? Like somebody could have told me to hydrate. So I think about what I do as the simplicity Mm. on the other side of complexity. I understand the physiological systems. I understand those scientific connections. And yet still, I want to talk about sleep, poop, and blood sugar balance before we go to any other places in the equation. So I think for people who are looking for or stuck in that place, Brooke, that you're talking about, it's the slowdown of what do I know to be true? I know when I go to sleep by 9.30, I feel much better the next day. I know when I eat this for breakfast, even though everybody and my sister and mother are intermittent fasting and only having coffee with something in it until noon, I know when I eat breakfast, I feel better. And I'm just making those Mm -hmm. up, but I'm saying like, What do you know to be true and work or not work for you? Andrea, knowing eggs don't work for me, they don't make me feel good, that's a mediator for you. Minus eggs doesn't work for you. The more of those we know, 
the better we are at being able to take care of ourselves and be in a risk reward conversation. Mm -hmm. You might be out at a brunch with some college girlfriends and somebody's made this beautiful quiche and you're going to be like risk reward. I want to, I want in. <laughs> and that becomes your decision instead of a should have to supposed to, you know, eh, I might not feel as good tomorrow, mm -hmm. but I'm willing to take this risk because the reward in this moment is higher. And that's the conversation we can then be in. I don't eat all foods. I don't do all the things, but it doesn't feel like restriction to me mm -hmm. because I'm making that risk reward decision as I need to for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's that I don't have to, I don't need to, I choose to, which is such a powerful reframe. This, yes. I mean, this whole thing, everything is this language. I keep thinking of like, this is a new language of how you speak to yourself, how you speak mm -hmm. to physicians, how you speak to your friends. And so much of it is feeling worthy of taking up the space. If I have these needs and if I'm not expressing them, I'm going to be sicker, right? Mm -hmm. Which yes. creates even more isolation because then you don't want to go to the party because then you don't want to have the conversation to create the boundary that you need for your body. <laughs> and it's just this like, it's physiological with like your gut health, right? But it's so, so much of your brain health and your hormones affecting your brain. And so I keep thinking about that connection and I love that part of the soil is mindset. And so I'm curious what that looks like in your work to take care of people's mental health, hold space for them as they're feeling isolated and like this outsider, like how you help people with that. Yeah, totally. I think that mindset is always a tough one for me because I think like, well, I'm not really a mindset coach. Like I don't relate to that, but there are pieces that really do come into play that impact our mindset, whether that's understanding that sympathetic and that parasympathetic, where it's understanding where things like grief and stress and shame and need live in our body and being able to bring that listening, listening to the smell, attention to what it is we're experiencing around each of those situations. So for me, I have created a circle of influence that helps me have those conversations and be able to echo back to people or help them understand what is that that you're experiencing right now. So you can hold that in awareness for yourself, whether it's shame around having to food restrict or shame around eating when you're not restricting. All of those things can be a part of how we think about mindset. Not my job to necessarily like dive into the mindset, but it is my job to help people understand that that mindset is impacting their physiological function and to see if there's a place where they can pay attention to what's happening when that occurs. And to this point, I think, you know, one of the beautiful things that I love about the work that I do is it is holding space, even if things are out of my scope. So addressing my husband's brain tumor or somebody's Crohn's disease in a flare state, that's out of my scope to do the medical work, but it is in my scope to work with the person who's experiencing that. And I think that's what people get confused about. A lot of um, 
supportive practitioners, whether they're nurses or dietitians or nutritionists or health coaches, think that if they're not doing the doctor's work, that they're not doing real work. And there is a place where it's, um, I'm working with the person who has the situation. I'm working with the person who may need also to be seeing a psychologist or some kind of mental health practitioner. I hold space for that, but it's not my job to fix anybody. Yeah, it's helping people take ownership of their health is what I keep hearing. Yes. Helping them understand their body in a way they've never understood it before, which we're not taught this. No. And this is why the work you do is so, so important. So I just want to say thank you for your time, your wisdom, for people listening who are like, I need more. Where can they find you? Yeah. So if you go to andrianakiyama.com, that will lead you to all the places, any of my current writing, as well as back to the Functional Nutrition Alliance, which is where I train practitioners, my podcast, um, and all the things. So andrianakiyama.com is the place to find me. Wonderful. And we'll plug all that because I think it's so important to you know, you get, you get this information, you connect with someone, but you want to, like, there's so much more that we like, we just scratch the surface Mm -hmm. and following you like on Instagram, just to follow you and see the different things you talk about. It's endless. I feel like you could post a reel every hour that would be beneficial for people. And so like Brooke said, thank you so much for what you're doing. And for those listening, we always leave our listeners with three gold stars. So three takeaways that, you know, anybody can maybe implement or think about implementing into their routine? Yeah. So for me, it really is getting back to those mediators and just recognizing what works for you and what doesn't. Focus there. And I'm not even going to give three if that's okay, because I feel like three can be a lot. Like, let's just stop and focus in this realm. Three can be a lot. Like focus on what works for me, what doesn't. If I'm not feeling my best, how can I just take a pause and really dive into recognizing that? I think there's a lot of other things we can do from there, but it's a great starting place and often really illuminating so that we're saying, wait a minute, I know this works for me, is there some way I could just turn my attention back there before racing off to all these other things? I feel like that applies to everything too. Like, <laughs> yes. like I was on a podcast today talking about self-care and it's like, all you really have to do is know and listen and think about what you like to do and what you don't like to do mm-hmm. and start there. You know? most, and most people don't even know that. Yes. What do I enjoy? They haven't taken yes. the time to think about it. And our listeners are the precious audience of women. And I love that you speak to them too, because I feel like it's giving them permission to -hmm. take care of their body, to take care of what they need to think, like tune into what you like and don't like, and not be afraid to voice it, to, to find the physician that will help you help find the nutritionist that will help you find the therapist that will help you because you deserve to take up the space so that You can be you and feel good. Like so many of us are walking around just feeling like crap, whether it's gut health or how you feel about your skin or how you feel about your relationship. But there's so many things that, you know, to have the courage and the permission. Okay, let's let's take some time to think about what I want or how I feel and then to take action from there. 
It's powerful. Yeah, and I just want to remind people that sometimes we can't find the perfect doctor or the perfect nutritionist or afford it or whatever it is, but that still means we can be focusing on our soil and we can go into those appointments when we have them with whatever that person's background is with more clear information. Hey doc, I got eight minutes. I notice when I eat or when I do, this is what happens. I'm curious, might there be, and they might not know. They might say food's not related. They might, I think this is the challenge that a lot of people get into. And Brooke, you've probably lived this where you think that one practitioner is gonna be your answer. And so you're spending all that time looking or waiting for that appointment versus thinking about, wait a minute, what can I do while I'm waiting? Mm -hmm. Or when that doesn't turn out to be the be all end all, what am I looking to feel and how would I be met in an appointment? And how do I show up for that, not looking for somebody else to deliver it all? Ooh, so good. Not relying on them to know your answers. Yes. Just, they might have some clues. They might yeah. have a little a little nugget of, this is what I think you should do, but ultimately you get to decide. And yeah. I think finances is, is a big piece of that. I would go in, I'd say, okay, whatever you say. And now I'm in the point where I go in and I say, okay, I've had a GI map test done before. It's been over a year. I want to retest. Yeah. Or I'm having these symptoms what do you recommend that isn't going to break the bank? What is going to give me the biggest bang for my buck? It's that the verbiage around it and the narrative that yes. you know you now know how to speak in a way where you can advocate for yourself, not only your health, but your finances and fill in the blank. Yes. And I, I know we need to wrap it. You're making <laughs> me think of one more thing I just want to share, which is that um, we expect practitioners to do things that are out of their scope. So one thing I hear a lot is my doctor won't run or they won't do. And people are angry about mm -hmm. that. And I like to remind patients that doctors will only do what's in their scope. And that's a good thing. So if they don't run a test, it's because they don't know what to do with the answers for that test. Mm -hmm. So recognize that if you're working with a person, they have their limitations too. And their no or their stance around it isn't about depriving you of something or being a less than practitioner that's outside of their scope they don't know what to do with those results so they're not going to order it that's actually to be applauded i love it i love it gosh i feel like we could talk all day but we do have three <laughs> more questions for you unleashing <laughs> ivy these are surprise questions that you don't know that are coming do you want me to go first or do you want to go first yeah you can go first Mine, I love backing up to your story because it's so powerful about grief. And I have grief all around me in my neighborhood, my family. I've been hit with a lot of grief in my life. And I'm so curious how grief continues to affect your life and what, what helps you. Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that grief lives in us at a very deep cellular level. I think it does impact. It is a huge epigenetic factor. It is changing things. So I think it's being able to sit with it, honor it, not rush through it and recognize that it's going to appear and come up in times that we cannot predict. And just being with allowing for that to happen. And when I was first experiencing my grief, I recognized that 
it wasn't bad when I cried. I'm not a big crier. So if I cried, that was a good thing. What really was worse was when I felt very separate. And so the grief was connected to not feeling like I was on the same path as my peers and finding a way to connect instead of feeling isolated because our grief can be really isolating and make us feel like nobody understands us. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's really powerful Mm -hmm. and will help a lot of people to listen. So thank you. Yeah. I'm going off of that, right? Grief and stress, they have such an impact on the body and these signs and these symptoms. When you're working with a client, where do you say, this is something that needs to be tested? This is a test we need to run, or you can figure this out on your own by using these mediators? Yeah. So that depends on what they're experiencing and what we're seeing. So that really deep evaluation and that time spent understanding. I have a functional nutrition matrix, which is based off the Institute for Functional Medicine's matrix, but reorganized. And that helps me to see the picture and talk about the whole terrain with the person that I'm working with. And it really depends on the individual. I'll tell you, I'm working with a 17-year-old boy right Right now who has an inflammatory diagnosis. He has pans pandas. He also has a very elevated um, lipid panel, but he has some OCD behaviors around food. And so I can't do the protocol I would like to do for his inflammation. We're literally talking about his nighttime snack and replacing cereal with popsicles that I can load up with things that help with his satiety, because what's most bothersome for him isn't the numbers on the page. It's that when he's eating at night, he can't stop. Mm -hmm. And so I'm seeing the whole person recognizing that that's not his fault. It's the fault of his system and what he's eating. And so just recognizing that there isn't one way forward and that it's a yes and. I don't need any more labs for him. I need to be able to tap into his abilities to see the powers of his own body and not go into his place of shame. Oh, man. I just, I'm putting myself in Brooke's shoes and I feel like, it is such a mind game because <laughs> she does so much. Like she sets so many boundaries with sleep and movement and makes them happen and has knows what gives her energy and what doesn't. And to, you know, be such an expert of your body. And yet you still have to be like, what is it that I'm not, you know, addressing with my stress or my childhood mm-hmm. trauma or my like, I can't get the missing p- puzzle piece and the doctor can't give it to you either like what a mind game and I know that that's like it's Brooke's journey right and it's it's tough to be the person to watch it that can't help right (laughs) like it's it's tough even tougher to be her like I just want to send you some love (laughs) because she has an appointment this week and I'm just like the person that's praying like you're saying don't pray to have the doctor be the answer, but it's like, I'm like, damn it, Andrea, I was hoping. <laughs> no, I. Sorry. I, no, I feel you. I feel that. Brooke. Yeah. I've 
talked to so many people like that. And it's unfortunately a growing population. And I do think, you know, I just want to hand you a matrix and say, <laughs> start mapping, start putting it down, start looking outside of yourself at you, mm. as opposed to the labs, which are giving you minutia. Mm -hmm that may not lead you to the right place. But I feel I feel that that's so hard. Yeah, it's everyone's on their own journey. And you can do all of the right things and still yes. be like, what am I missing? Yes. So I think having you on and reminding everyone listening that there is no one size fits all. All that matters is that you are continually pouring into you to find these answers and they might be answers that you create for yourself. Yes. The yes and. Yes. I can get tests and still believe that I know my body best. Yes. And, and you're likely doing most of what you already need to do. Mm -hmm. And there may be things that we're doing that are sometimes un inadvertently contributing to what we're experiencing because we do so much self-intervention sometimes without understanding the impacts of those interventions. Mm -hmm. yeah. so sometimes it's about clearing to see what do I know is true. As an example, Brooke, I have, I have patients do a supplement tracker. Mm -hmm. What are you taking? Why are you taking it? Why did you start taking it? And when people do that, sometimes they're like, I don't actually know, or I saw an Instagram post, or I heard on a telesummit, and they don't realize that that's not something that's actually beneficial for mm -hmm. them. So how can we taper it back in order to move forward sometimes is the answer. Yeah, sometimes you're doing too much. And that's something I've had to remind, <clears throat> excuse me, remind myself yeah. Is what if you're getting in your own way by being so controlling of the situation? Yes. And so that is a tough balance. That is a mind game. And I need to be reminded of that multiple times a day. So thank you. Yeah, I want to <laughs> commend you both for the work that you're doing because I do think that the space that you're in requires you to say, I don't know everything. I can't look at your labs and know everything about you, even though I want to be this expert physician or nutritionist, or I want to be this coach that can fix it for you and be the person that gets the testimonial to say, Brooke, fix me. <laughs> like it doesn't exist. It's not true when you hear that. Mm -hmm. And so to go into business in a place where it's a lot of mystery and it's a lot of misunderstanding, it's a lot of like the person has to do the work, like we'll be your coach and hold space. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times, you know, people aren't willing to like go to that specialist because they want the person that's claiming they have the answer, which is bullshit. <laughs> it's not even, it's not even the truth. And so it I just want to commend you both for that, that the, the work you're the doing. The truth about science is that we need to prove ourselves wrong, not right. Mm -hmm. But somehow medicine and health and wellness have been about proving ourselves right mm -hmm. or espousing what works for us is going to work for everybody. And that is bullshit. <laughs> it's complete bullshit. You heard it here, folks. It's only <laughs> proof if it works for you. That's something we had Dr. Thomas Seeger on the podcast. And he said that I'm like, yes. So and all of these things you see on the internet of this is the best supplement. You need this. You need, no, you don't. You need to figure out what you specifically need. That's just yeah. really good advertising and marketing. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. Oh, well, okay. Right. We have one more question. Last yeah. question. We always ask if you could go back 
to younger Andrea, any age, I'd like to know what age this would be too, mm. and tell her something. How old would she be and what would you like to tell her? Oh my gosh, so many stages mm -hmm. to go back to through all the journey. But I think the message that I would tell myself repeatedly <laughs> is to trust the process. Trust. I hear it all the time. <laughs> I think it's the universe trying to tell me something. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think we're looking always for that summit, for that end goal. And that journey is really what it's all about. And there's so much in that journey that is that informs us and that we can really sit with and learn from and embrace and be in. And so um, I think that's, it. I think that's the biggest message. Of course, I'll like think about a million other things after this, but that, that's I'm what, trust that yeah, I was and just going to say that <laughs> that speaks to us as mothers, as people on a health journey, as people, as entrepreneurs, like, in relationships, like trusting the process is so beautiful. And it's always the easiest, simplest statement that is like, oh, you're so brilliant. I'm so happy we met you. I'm so thankful for our time with you. I feel like this is not the end. <laughs> I have like 3,000 more questions, but we're so grateful for you. And as you know, we always leave our episodes, leave our listeners with a piece of gold, a quote, whether it's yours or someone else's that speaks to you. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to end with the one that's top of mind given our conversation and it is something that I say often which is you are not what you eat, you are what your body can do with what you eat. So it reminds us that it's not about the external but about the symbiosis, how our bodies can manage and handle what we put into it. So you are not what you eat but what your body can do with what you eat. This is Gold Ivy signing up. Listen to your truth and go chase your gold. We want to thank you and encourage you to celebrate yourself for taking the time to learn and get inspired in your one beautiful life. And if this podcast means something to you, it would mean so much to us if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to help support our mission to keep bringing you inspiring stories and guests. First, Following the podcast is important because it helps you never miss an episode. To do this, just go to the Ivy Unleashed podcast show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and then just tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. While you're there, if you'd be so kind to give us a five-star rating and review and share your favorite episode with a friend, we'd be so grateful for your support. We are thrilled you're here and are so happy that you're taking time to prioritize your wellness, self-discovery, and growth with us.